Father God, we come before you this Sunday after Thanksgiving with the desire to lift up our thanks not to the universe or to um, a random higher power, but to you, our Heavenly Father, who created us, who loves us, who sent your Son, Christ, to die for us and rise from the grave so that we might have a future and a hope and eternal life in him with you. And so we pray, God, that this afternoon as we gather together, it would be a time of praise, that it would be a time of worship, that as you are thanked from our lips, that you receive the glory. Pray, Lord, all this for our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be with all of you, with all the families this Sunday after Thanksgiving. I'm uh, never sure what the etiquette is about uh, holidays because we know if we put our Christmas Sunday after Christmas, that's weird, right? But we always put the Thanksgiving Sunday after Thanksgiving and nobody seems to mind. So we're going to stick with it for now. And the reason I bring that up is because this is a family service. As you can tell, all the kids are with us. Um, but it's not a break from our normal uh, sermon series because we plan to do this. It's not like we're taking a break from First Samuel just to have a special week. No, we plan to do Thanksgiving service every year because it's so important in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to First Thessalonians chapter 5. My name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here at Zoe. If you haven't been with us before, we're thankful for you to visit with us today. First Thessalonians 5. As you're turning there, uh, what we're going to be doing this special Thanksgiving service is we're going to hear from a few members of the church body, and they're going to express their thanks to the Lord, and we're going to worship God together through that. But uh, to kind of prepare us for that, I want to have a shorter message and a shorter passage today to, to talk about this idea of giving thanks in the Bible and why it is so drastically important. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, we're just going to be looking at one Verse, together. Verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Just one verse this afternoon, so we can center ourselves on what the Bible has to say about giving thanks. Now, in this one verse, you've probably memorized it or read it before. There's a lot of content, and and we can't go through everything, but what I want to do briefly is unpack this and look at three essential lessons about giving thanks that this one verse in 1 Thessalonians teaches us. So, as you're looking at this verse, and you break it down, the first thing that we see in this verse is that giving thanks is essential. Verse 18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And if you read this verse, what you'll notice right off the bat is that the Holy Spirit, through Paul, commands Christians to give thanks. Now, this is the end of the letter to 1 Thessalonians, and it's a letter that covers all sorts of basics of the Christian life, what it means to be a believer, how you live that out in every aspect of life. And at the end, he kind of summarizes everything he's been teaching with a few final commands, one of which is this command to give thanks thanks. You notice, right, you can see it, that it is a command in Scripture. Now, I imagine that a lot of you have had a busy week, right? and for some reason, Thanksgiving week can be the busiest week of the year, depending on how much you put into cooking and all that. Um, and so I do have a story um, from this past year. I like to cook the turkey for Thanksgiving, right? It's been a passion of mine for a few years now, ever since I got into Texas barbecue and learning how to smoke things. Um, you know, like food. Um, 
And so I, I got into smoking turkeys, and what I did was um, I, I had been doing this for a while, and it was turning out better and better. But then last year, we had a big group coming over, and I decided I was going to look up if there was a way I could make my turkey even better. And so I found online this, this hack, and you may have tried this hack, and maybe this is one of your hacks, but I thought, okay, this hack sounds wonky, but I'm going to try it anyways. The hack was you're going to put mayonnaise all over the turkey, right? You rub mayonnaise all over the turkey, under the skin, and that's going to, you know, have like fat in it. It's going to melt. It's going to uh, basically keep it moist. It's going to taste wonderful at the end. And here's what they all say. Don't worry. Trust me, the bloggers. Don't worry. It will not taste like mayonnaise. So I said, okay, I'm going to trust you. Um, I lathered up the mayonnaise. It looked kind of gross. I put mayonnaise all over the turkey. I had it all prepared to cook, and I, uh, I put it in the smoker, it came out about three hours later, and it didn't look quite right, okay? It didn't look golden brown. It looked a little bit, uh, like, flabby, and it was cooked through. But when I finally fed it to everyone and I tasted that first bite, I was like, this tastes exactly like mayonnaise on a turkey. It was terrible. It was exactly what I thought it was supposed to not be, according to the bloggers. And I even had someone from church there who I'm going to throw under the bus. I'm not going to say him by name. He was at our house, and he tasted the turkey, and he looked at me, and he's on the stream right now, and he said, not up to your normal par, Eric. Not up to the normal turkey level. And I felt crushed by that. Now, why do I bring up this story? I think you can relate to it a lot. You can relate to the fact that in Thanksgiving, sometimes you have all these things going on that that becomes the biggest thing in your mind. This, this dead bird that you're going to cook is the most important part of the week. You have to defrost it on the right day. You have to do all these things that maybe it's not cooking. You're not into cooking. Maybe it's getting all the family together, making sure that people aren't fighting on Thanksgiving holiday. And it's so easy for us to go through this holiday of Thanksgiving, and, and we know it's in the name, Thanksgiving, and yet giving thanks, that act of actually giving thanks to God is probably one of the least important things on your mind that day. If you're like me, that, that even happened this week, even though I prepared the sermon before Thursday. It still happened. It had a tendency where I would forget to actually give thanks. And this is why Paul puts it as this succinct command at the end of 1 Thessalonians. He knows we can get caught up in life. We can go through the Christian life and we know what all the basics are and what we're waiting for. We're waiting for Christ's return. We're waiting to go be with him in heaven one day when God will make everything new. And yet, as we're going through life, as we're going through life, we forget. Paul, in this one verse, commands us to give thanks. The reason is that thanksgiving is important. It is essential. In fact, it's non-negotiable if you're a Christian. And so this week I had to stop and think about this. What can I give thanks for? Now notice, if you look closely at this passage, the command is not be thankful. The command is give thanks. And so it's a choice that we have to look at our lives and give thanks to the Lord, to, to take this obedient action to actually give thanks to him. And so preparing for this short sermon, I thought, what can I give thanks for? Even if I don't remember to feel thankful, even if maybe for some reason my emotions are off, what can I actually give thanks for? And as I thought about it, I really thought about this church family. I thank God for the love of the church family here. And if you're visiting with us, praise God for that. But, but for you members of the church who've been with us, I gave thanks this week for you, for the bond we have in Christ, despite our differences, our different backgrounds and experiences, 
for knowing that many of you would, would love my family greatly if anything would happen to me and, and vice versa. I gave thanks for so many of you this week. How about you? Have you given thanks this week at all? The Bible says those who know the Lord, those who are in Christ Jesus, are commanded to give thanks. In multiple Psalms, in the prophets, in the songs of King David, which we'll see in a little bit in First and Second Samuel, we see the central theme of giving thanks to the Lord for who he is, for what he's done. So the first thing in this one verse is that thanksgiving is essential. And if you kids have your little um, guides, you can write that in the box. What else do we see? Well, read the verse one more time. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul says give thanks in all circumstances. Now, literally in the Greek, what it says here is in everything, give thanks. In other words, no matter what is happening in your life right now, you have the opportunity to give thanks. And so what this verse tells us is that whatever situation you're in, giving thanks is possible. That's the second idea. It's not only essential, it is possible for you to do. You know, First um, <clears throat> Samuel, the book we've been preaching through, verse by verse, or actually chapter by chapter over the past months, it's been kind of a hard book, right? Um, I understand Jesse. He's very tough on you guys. He, he preaches very convicting messages, and we all see how we are more like Saul than David. We're not the hero of anything. And so it's good for us, and that's good. I'm not throwing Jesse under the bus, right? We need to be convicted of our sin and disobedience. But it's good for us to stop for a moment and to remember that despite our sin and our failure, God is good, and he saved us. And we give thanks because of that, no matter what is happening. God is a gracious God. He gives to the righteous and the unrighteous. He, he fills this broken world with reminders of his goodness all the time to people who don't deserve it at all. And the proper response for those who know this, for those who experience that, is to give thanks to his name. And there's an opportunity we have to do this no matter what. See, even if life hasn't followed your plans exactly, which it probably hasn't, even if it hasn't gone exactly the way you wanted, the good news is we still give thanks because we still have a reason to give thanks. Notice again the text. Paul doesn't say give thanks for everything, right? What is the preposition? He says give thanks in everything. In everything. And that makes a world of difference in understanding what it is that God has given us the possibility to do. Have you guys heard of uh, Johnny Erickson Tata? I'm sure you have. She's, she's famous. Uh, Johnny and Friends Camps all over the country, disability, uh, ministries. Um, there's a movie that came out about her life. Well, Johnny Erickson Tata, she's, she's a very famous woman who uh, was paralyzed at a young age, 17 years old. Actually, this was like 1967. So she's lived over half a century paralyzed from the neck down and still being insanely productive for the Lord. In any case, she tells the story of how after she had been paralyzed and was on the long road of recovery that she had this great depression come upon her, understandably. She came, her dad was actually an alternate in the Summer Olympics. That's how athletic her family was. You know, all that was taken from her in a moment. And as she was in the hospital room, a friend read to her this verse, <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And, and he encouraged her, or maybe she, uh, to give thanks in every situation, even that situation that she had found herself in. And as Johnny tells it, she couldn't wrap her arms around how that could be the case because she looked at her life and she was going to be paralyzed forever. There was no cure for this, according to the doctors, and, and it turns out there was no cure. She thought, how can I give thanks for being 
paralyzed for being a quadriplegic. And yet, even in that most difficult situation, what happened was her friend said, I understand that, Johnny, but there are things you can give thanks for in this. And so she looked around, and it's really a touching story. I had the privilege of hearing her uh, share in, in person in the small room. She shares with everyone, so it's nothing special, but I was there in person hearing from her. And um, she thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, well, then I can give thanks for the fact that my friends have visited me in the hospital. I can give thanks for the fact that even though um, I'm paralyzed, I can do a little bit of physical therapy with my mouth and with my face and with my neck. She even gave thanks for the small things like having a window in her room. She thought about how the nurses would come by and they would give food to her side of the hallway first instead of the other side so her food was warmer than the other people's. And as she began to give thanks, she says, very slowly, over time, God rewarded those shaky steps of faith with feelings of thankfulness. Isn't that interesting? That as she followed the commandment to give thanks in everything, God gave her feelings of thankfulness that corresponded with that act. And here's the kicker. She never said, I'm thankful for being paralyzed. Right? That thing is bad. It's a broken world. But as she started to give thanks for all the things she could see that were good in her life, and as she tells it now, her attitude completely changed. She is one of the most joyful people I've ever seen in my life. She is deeply thankful to the Lord, and she even knows that in her paralysis, God did something in her life that maybe wouldn't have happened apart from that. She's incredibly thankful in everything. This is what the Bible says here. In everything, give thanks. See, one of the benefits of this time that we're going to have together when we hear our brothers and our sisters share about why they're thankful or what they give thanks for is that we begin to see that thanksgiving is possible no matter what. No matter who you are, no matter what situation you're in, if you know God, you have a reason to give thanks. I think if you've been in church long enough, you might have heard people share about how they're thankful even in very difficult circumstances. You might have heard people talk about thanksgiving in sickness or in loss or even experiencing abuse or, or, or having things happen that they never wanted to happen. And if it makes you wonder why, then that's good. Because there's something strange about this, that as Christians, we can give thanks in everything. Because as Johnny said, right, she looked at her hospital situation, and there were these little things happening in the hospital that she could give thanks for, no matter how bad the situation that she was in was. But as a Christian, you understand that whatever you're in, there's something not just small, but big that you can give thanks for. That God in Christ has dealt with the problem of sin. That God has saved you if you're a Christian. That if you believe in Jesus, you have an eternity to look forward to that will be free from suffering and pain and sorrow. It will be with the Lord forever. See, the world is not an ungrateful place all the time. I think that if you give your kids candy or video games, they'll, they'll oftentimes say thank you. But what about when things don't go the way you want? Can you still be thankful? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Ken, it reminds us that in every situation, we have someone to be thankful to and someone to be thankful for. Because of Jesus, giving thanks is possible. And this leads us to the third idea in this verse today. Giving thanks is essential 
It is possible. And finally, giving thanks is purposeful. One more time. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There have been a lot of books written in the past 10 years or so about the benefits of giving thanks. Right, how this is kind of like a, a new like trend in the world. I don't know, it might have already passed this trend of thankfulness. I think it was a good one. And they talked about the benefits of being thankful in life. All these benefits to your health and, and to your mental well-being and all that. But there's one benefit that was seldom talked about in these books, which is that when you are thankful to the Lord, it actually pleases him. You're living according to his will for your life. A lot of Christians ask me as a pastor, what is my purpose? What is God's will for me? What's his plan for my life? I, you probably asked that question yourself. You've thought about it. And I think the reason they ask is because so many of us struggle with this, right? We want to know what it is that God wants us to do so that our lives have some sort of meaning and importance and purpose in this world. We can feel bored or trapped or like we're just running on the hamster wheel of life. And so we wonder, what is the will of God? And Paul says here a freeing thing, that the will of God in Christ Jesus is for you to give thanks. Now, that's not the only thing about the will of God, right? The will of God is spoken of in the Bible in that exact phrase 17 times. Um, spoken of mostly as things that already happened because God's in control. So when things happen in life, uh, Paul will say that happened by the will of God. But what about on the other end, when it talks about things that you're going to do, things that we're involved in, the stuff we're really concerned about when we ask, what is God's will? The Bible talks about this in three specific ways. Growing in holiness, submitting to those in authority, and finally giving thanks in everything. And we're going to see these kind of um, themes play out in the testimonies that we're about to hear. If you want to know how you can live a meaningful, purposeful, godly life, huge part of that is understanding who God is and giving thanks to him. Then you are firmly in the will of God. It's one of the most practical things you can do as a Christian to follow God's will is to understand what he is doing and to give thanks to him in everything. See, it's not just that when you give thanks, it somehow like charges you up like a battery so that you're, you're ready to go do some amazing feat for God. Right? No, giving thanks itself is one of the most purposeful things you can do as a believer. For your own heart, and for those who, who hear you give thanks and praise God together, and even to bless the Lord himself. Giving thanks is the sign that you are a person who is submitted to God. Thankfulness is the attitude that God uses as he sovereignly leads you into his will in every area of life. The church has often said, that the, per the chief purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It's incredible then that if you think about it, giving thanks is actually a practical way that we participate in those things. To glorify God, to praise him, to, to say something amazing about him, and then to enjoy what he has done good to us forever. We praise God's name who has done things for his glory, we rejoice, we remind ourselves, we tell one another to also enjoy this God who has lavished upon us his blessings. In Hebrews 13, 15, the author says, through him, through Christ, that is, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, that acknowledge 
Jesus, that acknowledge what he has done, that give praise to him. So as we listen over the next uh, minutes to a few of our brothers and sister uh, share, when they share, I think it's appropriate for us to respond in thanksgiving, to respond in praise to God. So uh, we're not going to be clapping for them when they share their testimony, but when they're done, I think we can definitely applaud the Lord, praise him for that. And as we listen, our hope is that this service would lead us as a congregation to give thanks, to remind us that every good and perfect gift is from God, to respond to those good gifts through the sacrifice of praise from the lips of our brothers and sister, to rejoice that Christ has sacrificed for us, and we have the greatest good and the best reason to give thanks. So the first testimony who, uh, the first person who's going to share their testimony with us right now is Keaton Reed. I'm going to invite him up here. Uh, there he is. You can give him your attention. Good afternoon. Hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. I used to be able to see my feet before Thanksgiving. Now I can't. But uh, still, think, I'm at first thankful for that. But like you said, my name is Keaton. Uh, Keaton Reed. I'm a husband of Stephanie Reed, father of Daniel and Lacey Reed. And it is such a huge pleasure and a privilege to be before you today to share my testimony um, and to be and to share my thanks, you know, for for God's glory and what He's done in my life. I've been part of, you know, I've always been part of a Christian family. Um, you know, I was raised here in Texas, you know, part of a, a South Baptist Christian family. Um, and in that, when I was eleven, you know. I couldn't stand, I always felt this emptiness in my heart. And what I ended up finding, or at least at the time, was that it was the fact that they skipped communion over me every single time it went around. Uh, so, of course, that started my idea of what a true relationship, or what my idea of a relationship with God was. And uh, I just wanted to be like everyone else. You know, I wanted to join in. So... Cunningly, I waited a few weeks and told, because my parents told me you had to be a believer to take communion. Waited a few weeks and said, I'm a believer now, you know. So I got to partake in that centimeter cracker and ounce of grape juice. Best decision. No, not. So I was baptized. And this ended up being a foretelling of my on going on relationship with Christ. Throughout my childhood and up to my sophomore year of high school, um, I would consistently go to church you know, with my family and had an inconsistent yearning for the Lord uh, and, and actually inviting him into my heart. Uh, I had been bullied uh, by the youth group at school and felt like an outcast. Uh, man, what an excuse that was. I mean, of course, you know, we... I, I took in ridicule and some things for things I didn't fully understand. But what ended up happening, I used as an excuse to exile myself from the church. Instead of focusing on God and being thankful for him for the things I had in the moment, I sought selfishness and desire to become part of a social group. My parents gave me leeway. They let me make my own decisions and mistakes. I still believed in God, but... He was in the furthest corner of my mind. This led to depression, suicidal tendencies, 
as I, <laughs> as I struggled, that's, that's good timing. Um, as I struggled, uh, now I would love to say it was then that I turned to the Lord. You know, given around 15, 16, but uh, I didn't. I turned to my friends and listened, uh, just started going to concerts with them, listening to metal. Yeah, metal. But uh, surprisingly, that's what led me back to being reminded of God's presence. I started listening to Christian metal. Yes, that is a thing that, that exists. Um, but of course, you can't really understand it. I had to look up the lyrics, but still, I was able to recognize God's grace. Uh, I was reminded of God's presence in my life. I started going back to church, rededicated my life, and for the next year, two years, I loved learning about God. I devoted myself to Him. I was consistently going to church, and I was so happy and content. But that was the problem. I had become content. I was satisfied with my relationship. And so, again, uh, because I was satisfied and stopped striving to learn more, striving to continue to uh, bring God into my mind and my heart, that led to me pushing him away again. It led me to smoking, drugs, drinking, trying to fit in, again, to fulfill that desire to be accepted, which I finally was. So, hey, you know, God is away, but at least I have friends now, right? So, with that being said, that led me back to being depressed. And I, I was still feeling that emptiness, which I thought that, you know, having friends, you know, drinking, all that stuff would get me. But that wasn't it. So you would think that I would say, no, I got to go back to God, right? No. It was the fact that clearly I didn't have a girlfriend. That was it. That was the reason I was feeling that hole. Well, continuously God kept throwing him in my mind, continuing to remind me of him uh, through who would be my future wife, Stephanie. She and her twin sister invited me to her church uh, on Tuesday nights where I learned about how God, is a, it's a gift to be single. So I, I came home feeling that spiritual high you get after coming like home from a week of you know, going to Florida on the beach, you know, doing the, the church outing in the youth group. I felt that coming home that night. So I said, Lord, test me. I can do it. I'm going to be satisfied uh, with my singleness, and I'm going to strive to be you, uh, uh, be working for you. Very next day, my friend tells me this girl likes me. And to me, in my mind, it was God giving me a gift. You know, God answering my prayers. It turns out that I still had no idea what a true relationship with God looked like. I ended up having a sinful and intimate relationship with this woman. And again, I was away from God. Six months of that went by and uh, broke off. Again, feeling depressed. Again, feeling that hole in my heart. And uh, the Lord was still there. Who reached out to me, who to see me again, but Stephanie, my, like I said, my wife now. Uh, got to see her again, and 
we started talking, and we and I I really felt like I was wanting to go back to God, like I was ready to to strive for Him. Um, and uh, while that happened, something that I took away from me while I was continuously having struggles with anxiety and depression. Out of nowhere, one day at work, uh, I found a rock on my desk that has a symbol of a key in the following verse, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight, your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That was a huge blessing as well. God continuously reminding me of his presence. So after three months, Stephanie and I were dating, and I proposed. I prayed, and I was finally uh, putting God first, and uh, found that she w- had always been there. Um, God had a plan for everything, all the struggles, all the sin. Dwayne, uh, her father, we, we wanted to find a solid church, and Dwayne found Zoe. So after three weeks of it just opening, so we had come and joined Zoe. We ended up getting married later that year under Pastor Jesse. And I thought, this is great. This is going to lead me. But I still had struggles, and I will, as I will always have struggles. Um, I struggled with the idea of predestination. Couldn't identify if the Lord had chosen me to join him or to continuously fall away from him and inevitably be stricken down uh, to hell where I deserve and will continue to always deserve to be. Why would God love me after so many times of turning to him and then away from him? And through counseling of Pastor Jesse, I came to realize that God had already had an answer for my question. In Luke 15, Jesus told the story of the prodigal son and how he went away from his father and lived a sinful life in a far-off land. But when he came to his senses, he returned to his his father's house. Verse 20 says, While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion ran and embraced him and kissed him. This story showed me that in all of my time pursuing the wrong things, because of the gospel, God was always there, and he showed me his grace, whether it was through a rock on my desk or through my amazing wife. He embraced me, even though I didn't didn't deserve it. This year, I want to give thanks to uh, everything the Lord has given me. You know, it's been a challenging couple years for all of us. Um... And in that, I, you know, I still struggled and what have you, but God made sure he shined a light on the great things that was happening in my life. I had my wife and son, and I gained a daughter. My selfless in-laws gave me and my family a place to live. And I see now that through my continuous, uh, uh, continuous search for God's grace, that he is still with me. And I just, I thank him for his salvation and for using this church to be a constant light in my life. Thank you. Hi. Hi, my name is Lita. My husband is Vin, and we have four kids. Ages range from seven years old down to nine months. My initial knee-jerk reaction when asked to share Thanksgiving testimony was to say, no, thank you. I dislike any attention on me, and I feel like I have nothing to offer. 
There are many others more engaging and articulate than me, like my husband, Vin, for example. I even asked him if he would write out my testimony, and then I could just read what he wrote for me. Unfortunately, he didn't. But in all seriousness, the Lord has been so gracious and faithful to our family this past year. I have a special opportunity to glorify him and share about his goodness to us. So I'd like to share that with you all today. First, I'll start with the birth of our son, Caleb. In the Lord's timing and provision, Caleb made his debut in the middle of the winter freeze in February. The Lord graciously provided for us by safe travels to and from the hospital on icy roads, a safe delivery of Caleb despite minor complications, and child care for our other kids, which you can hear one of them, while we were in the hospital. Because of the rolling power outages, our house was freezing. The first night we were home from the hospital, we bundled Caleb in layers and layers of blankets, and we all slept in one room as a family of six to keep warm. The very next day, we had a water pipe burst from our upstairs bathroom, so we had to shut off the water and power to our house. I had just given birth a few days earlier. Um, We have four kids to care for, and now we couldn't stay in our home. Um, We really felt hopeless. However, the Lord did not abandon us. The Lord graciously provided a place for us to stay with generous friends. Because many other people also experienced pipe bursts from the freeze, we worried about when we would be able to have a plumber look at our house and how long it would take to repair the damages. Many of you came to help Vin with the demo and cleanup And most of you all blessed our family with meals and prayers. The Lord used this body of Christ to provide for us and encourage us during a stressful transition. A common question I get asked now is, how is life with poor kids? I would love to say that it has been amazing and my heart is bursting with joy and our life is just perfect now. But to be honest, it has been very hard. It's easy for me to give in to the frustrations of everyday life, whether it be the kids fighting, the neediness of an infant, toddler tantrums, the constant chores, on and off sicknesses, or sleepless nights. Not from our infant, but from our same tantrum-throwing toddler. I have complained and grumbled in my heart and have been impatient with Vin and the kids and have had many times a feeling of despair. The Lord is teaching me through these things that his grace is sufficient for me. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm thankful for these times of struggle and hopelessness because through them, the Lord is sanctifying me and helping me to put my hope in him alone. He alone is what satisfies my soul, not perfectly obedient children, a clean house, or my health. The Lord is helping me to be thankful in every situation because he uses every trial for my good to draw me closer to him. The Lord has also used Vin to encourage me this past year. Aside from family life and house issues, Vin has had to deal with a lot from his business. He's an eye doctor, as you all know. He doesn't have an office manager, so on top of actually seeing patients, he manages every little 
every little thing about his business. As he says, he wears many hats. Especially at the end of the year is his busy season. He's drowning in paperwork, and he has very long days. He does complain sometimes, but every time he looks to the Lord for help, his hope and faith are steadfast in the Lord. The Lord gives him the grace and ability to continue to serve our family and others with a joyful heart. Limitations 3, 22 through 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I'm still learning what it means to be thankful in this challenging season of life. The Lord is so gracious to forgive me of my sins. The days can feel very long, but I'm thankful that I know through God's word that his mercies are new every morning. And we have been blessed to experience many of those mercies this past year. Thanks. Hello, church family. How are you? Um, My name is Gabriel Arganal, and my wife and I, along with our three children, Judah, Jesse, and John, have been blessed to come back to Zoe this year, and my wife and I just recently became members. This week, I've had the opportunity to reflect on many of the things that I'm thankful for. I really appreciate this, I really appreciated this exercise because being thankful is something that I can struggle with at times personally. This is not because God has not been very generous to our family. He has been very generous, but it is a bent of mine to find things to be satisfied with, dissatisfied with, unfortunately. Even though God has been very gracious to me, I tend to grow accustomed to his blessings. Also, having small children and being caught up with the busyness of life, um, it sounds like many of you can relate, it can be very easy to overlook all the blessings that we have. So for me, this season is a great time to pause and reflect on the blessings that come from God. As I think more specifically about what I'm thankful for, I realize that God has been very kind to provide for my needs in this life and has given me a lot of earthly blessings. I'm thankful for my family and their health, thankful for my job. I'm thankful for the general provision that comes from God. He's the one who provides these things. And I'm thankful for my church family and the ability to encourage and be encouraged uh, by other believers. Of course, as we just learned, all these things can be taken away by God and he would still deserve to be praised. First, uh, uh, as, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. But even with that in mind, God is worthy of praise because he has provided all these good things for us. God knows my family's needs infinitely better than I do, and he has provided exactly what we need for our good and his glory. In addition to these earthly blessings, recently I've been reminded of the spiritual blessings that I have as a believer. I've been very encouraged by a Bible study that has recently started with some of the brothers here. We've been going through the book of Ephesians, and we're learning about all the rich blessings that are given to those who are in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3 through 8, 11 through 14 says, quote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee for our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory, end quote. From this passage, it's clear that God is the doer of the acts described here, and the believer is the beneficiary of his actions. We do nothing except just receive his rich blessings. It says of believers that we have been adopted as sons, we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our sins, we have a spiritual inheritance, and we are given the Holy Spirit as a seal and a pledge of this inheritance. These spiritual blessings cannot be taken away from the believer. They are promised and given by God. Not only do we receive all these blessings, but also we receive a relationship with God. He made a way for us to be reconciled to him so that we can have relationship with him and be adopted as sons and be part of God's family. John 1.12 says, but to all who did receive him, who, re- who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Praise God that this is true. In comparison, even me, as a fallen earthly dad, when my children are disobedient and undeserving, I still love them. And they're still beloved members of our family. How much more is this true of our perfect heavenly father? Even though I'm a sinful and undeserving person, God still loves me and has brought me into his family and keeps me there. And what I'm reminded of from reflecting on these things is that for the Christian, every day should be thanksgiving. All these things we receive, even though we don't deserve them and we have not earned them, but they tell of the riches of his grace. And these are the things I'm thankful for. Thank you. Let's respond together in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the testimonies of your grace in in bringing some to salvation and caring for our physical needs and our families in the midst of trials, of reminding us of the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, despite the tendency we have to look at this world and look at our lives and, and, and not give thanks. So we thank you for being such a good God, and, and we remind ourselves, Lord, that all this is worship, that the hearing of your word, that the, the praising of your name out loud in public before the congregation, that the singing of songs to you, it's all worship because you deserve the worship and the glory and the honor and the praise. And so we ask, God, that right now in this time of singing, Lord, that as a church family, we would be worshipful in our hearts and with our lips, that we would offer a sacrifice of praise to acknowledge your name, to lift up the name of Christ, 
to together acknowledge who you are and what you have done. Because you are such a great and worthy God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.